If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you uh, Psalm 62. To the choir master, according to Jedham, a psalm of David. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. Uh, the only plan to thrust him down from a, his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts before Him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery, if riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. God, I ask that you would teach us your word now, that your Holy Spirit would work in us and apply this uh, to our lives, to our anxious thoughts. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. When I think about my life, I think about uh, the many things that I want to be. I want to be extremely powerful in any and every situation. I want to be the kind of person that exudes self-confidence. And as I look upon the trials of the day, I laugh and I enjoy the challenges knowing uh, that I will dominate in any and every situation. I like to think of myself as one who loves challenges and even trials and realizes that I can get through anything, anytime, because I'm strong enough to do so. That's who I want to be. Reality sets in though, doesn't it? Many days I wake up and I realize how needy I am. That I'm needy in very uh, quite a few different areas. And not just emotionally or needing people's approval and attention. I realize that I, I fail and that my heart is weak. And that though I want to be known as powerful, the reality is quite different. I struggle sometimes feeling lonely, not because people are not around, but because I fail to understand how to communicate with them and realize that uh, sometimes I feel alone even in the midst of people. Sometimes I'm prone to depression and the idea of feeling like you just want to quit over and over again. The reality 
and what I want to be sometimes are two very different things. The psalm that uh, we're looking at this morning has the answer for you. If you can relate to what I share about desiring to be powerful and yet finding yourself to be weak. As you look at the psalm, uh, this is a psalm that David wrote uh, for the one who led the music, who led the choir. And obviously, as we read through this, you'll see repeated themes over and over again. It's the answer that is the same answer over and over again, that God can be trusted. And my desire this morning is that we would all be encouraged that we need the simple answer of our relationship with God involved in the details of our life, every detail of our life. The psalmist starts out and he says, for God alone, for God alone. As we read that, uh, you'll see that word alone. The, the idea that God stands alone in this world. It's not that there's only one God in the sense that everyone follows after him. That's not true. People chase after other things. They make up other gods. But what this means in Psalm 62 is that he stands alone as the answer for people like me and you. That having a relationship that where we are trusting in him, it's the one thing that we need. And so that word alone you will see uh, quite a few times in this, in this chapter. The psalmist says, for God alone my soul waits in silence. We don't like silence very much, do we? I think that we like a moment here and there, but too much of it we feel kind of creeped out. We, we're we lost in our thoughts and we feel like there's nothing going on, that, that it's too scary for us. And yet the psalmist realizes that it's not about this crazy activity that fills our day or even fills our mind, but that he needs to sit in silence before God, the one who can be what he needs. As he describes him, he says, from him comes my salvation. He's the one I need. He says it again in verse 2. He says, he alone is my rock and my salvation. It's a kid's song, right? Based upon a, a New Testament passage, right? Where do you build your house? On the rock, right? Don't put it on the sandy, you know. I could sing the whole thing if you want me to. I prefer not to, and probably most of you would prefer that as well. We need a place to build our life. We need a place that's steady and sure. And as you think about your life right now, where is it? Do you have any places that are steady and sure? Do you have that place where you can always count that it will be safe and steady? The psalmist, as he considers his life, he says, there's a lone, there's one place that sits alone. That The only place that is my rock, and it's God. It's Him. He's my rock. He's the one that's my salvation. And then he goes on to add one more thing. Uh, that he will continue to say over and over again. 
Verse 2, he alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress, my fortress, or my safe place. You get the picture of the enemy attacking and you needing a place to hide of safety. And he says, that's God. It's him. He's the one I need. And then he says this, and he'll add uh, a further assurance of it later on in the passage. He says, I shall not be greatly shaken. The, the picture here of the world is that everything is being shaken. Everything is being moved and, and destroyed and brought chaos to. And he says, look, because I know God, because I have a relationship with him, I will not be greatly shaken. I will not be thrown off the rails. I will not be tossed off into the ditch and forgotten because of God, because of Him. I don't know how you roll into church today. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what you're struggling with. But I want to tell you that Psalm 62 is for you. It's for you. You need Him. You need to be in relationship with him. He needs to be the, the alone choice in your life. I know that many of life's trials shake us and, and make us feel frantic inside. There's a place for you. It's a place on the rock. It's a place of salvation. It's a place of safety, a fortress. In verses 3 and 4, David pictures what uh, different situations that he's been in. We don't know. As you look at the life of David, you realize that he was time and time again, both by people he loved and served, as well as his own family members, as well as trusted advisors. They were constantly after him his whole life both to kill him, to overthrow him, to uh, uh, deceive him and to trick him in various ways. This happened to David over and over again. In verse 3, he says, How long will you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall and a tottering fence? He pictures himself as being on this rickety old fence. And he says, this is the way I feel, just swaying back and forth in desperate danger, moment by moment. As he thinks of that, he says, this is what it seems like, the trials of this life. They, they cause me to feel like I'm standing on a tottering fence. In verse 4, he says, they only plan to thrust him down it's not just being on the fence. It's that people are plotting and planning his de demise. Thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. He says, you know, this is what it is. This is the relationships, the people. I feel attacked. You know, um, if you get the picture here of this chapter, you'll hear this. That's the reality that he has people against him. When you think about the reality of life, sometimes we, uh, when we are sick, our health is bad, we want to deny it and just say, oh no, I, I, I'm not sick at all. And the reality is you are sick. 
And you say, well, it's just so depressing to be sick. Yeah, but it's the reality. Sometimes we struggle financially and you say, well, I I, I don't want to think about it. Well, not thinking about it doesn't change the reality of it. I know some of you struggle with uh, the heartache of your own kids, your grown kids, and, and, and the burden of that. And you say, you know, I, I want to talk about, you know, how they're combing their hair real nice and, uh, you know, that they have pretty good penmanship these days. And, and, and you want to look at things that are positive and yet things that break your heart, that's the reality of it. In the psalmist's life, there was a reality of heartache as well. But as you look at this psalm, it's as if he looks at the heartache and he says, yes, that's true, but God, but God. Yes, there are difficulties and trials. Yes, there are, are burdens and anxious thoughts. Yes, but God. Over and over again, it's the reality of life it is true and yet Greater than that is that God is in the midst of it, that he can be trusted. The psalmist moves from the persecutions of a person or people back to his God. Verse 5, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. You see, uh, as I talked to you before, um, I want to be the kind of guy that isn't shaken. I want to be the guy that's strong enough, self-confident enough. I want to be the one who has all the resources that I can handle anything. But when I look to myself, I'm left in the reality of the trials of life overwhelming me. And yet the strength and the hope and the reason that I will not be shaken is because of God, because of him. In verse seven, he says this on God rests my salvation, my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Verse eight, it says something very uh, practical for us, something that, uh, should encourage you today as you struggle through your own trials. It says, trust in Him at all times. What does all times mean? All the time, right? It it means that uh, if you wake up in the night and you're worried about something, that's one of those times. That's included there in verse 8. And... If you wake up in the morning and you're doing fine and then all of a sudden you think about the burdens of yesterday and you go, oh no, and they, that's, that's one of those kind of times too. And, and there's a sense in which from the beginning of the day as you wake up and you have your first conscious thought, you need to be trusting Him then. That's good for you to trust in Him then. And then all the... The moments of the day that go on till you pillow your head again. And then as you pillow your head, say, I trust you during the time where I'm not conscious. And then we'll do it again. It means that. 
But it's not just that it means every second of the day. It means also every issue of the day. It's not just about your salvation, but it is about your salvation. You need to trust in him. Some of you say, well, I, I struggle with feeling like I'm saved. Yeah, don't trust your feelings for one thing. That's not going to work out well for you. But but the idea is that, that for our soul, knowing that we would be saved is to trust him to have taken care of it, to believe in his word. We need to trust him for our salvation, but we also need to trust him with our health. We also need to trust him with our marriage. We also need to trust him with our kids. We also need to trust him with our future, our finances. We need to trust him with anxious thoughts that we make up in our own mind. Silly things that don't make sense at all. You know who you are. All those things. It's trusting him with all kinds of things. With all moments and all kinds of things that happen in your life. Why? Well, because he's the God. He's the only one. He's the alone God. He's the God of our salvation. He's the God uh, uh, that's a mighty rock. He's the one who says, I'll be your fortress. I'll be the one where you're safe. So we should trust him at all times. Verse 8 says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. Pour out your heart before him. Um, some of you say, well, I don't do that with anybody. I'm shy. I don't talk much. Some of you talk a lot and you still don't do that, right? You talk a lot about nothing. You chatter and you say, yeah, I I like to talk, but I don't like to talk about things that are really my heart. And I know why. I know why. Because sometimes it's scary to talk about, right? Sometimes you, you, you can't even sort out in your own mind what you think about things. So, so the idea of talking about it with people, you're like, eh, I don't really do that. God's the one we should be doing that with. Pour out our heart before him. He's the one that can handle it. You say, well, I, I don't know how it's going to come out. He doesn't, he can sort it out. Trust me, okay? He's, he, he's our God. He's the alone God. He's the only one who can do this. And so he calls on us in our trust of him to pour out our heart before him. And then it goes back to this important theme. God is a refuge for us. God is a refuge for us. In verse 9, he turns back in verses 9 and 10 to men and really uh, what men trust in, what what it is that other people would go after. In verse uh, 9, it says this, those of low estate are but a breath. Those who are insignificant, maybe people in poverty or just no no sense of importance in this life, they're, they're, they're insignificant. They're but a breath. And then he turns to those who are celebrity types, people who are popular, people who have much. And he says, those of high estate are a delusion, are a delusion. Uh, I think mostly to themselves, to be honest. 
I think when we find ourselves to be great in this life, we're deluded. That when we find ourselves to be famous and above others, there's a grand, grand delusion to that. And yet, as we hear from God, he says, those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances, they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Insignificant. Verse 10, he turns to that idea of uh, strategy and the idea of gaining power through wealth and uh, even uh, through dishonesty. He says, put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Why? Because they don't work. They can't fix the trials of this life. They can't satisfy the loneliness in your own heart. They can't be enough that you won't be depressed. What is it? The psalmist knows about life And he goes back to this important theme. Verse 11, he says, Only God, once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. He gives us two things, two uh, overwhelming points of God, overwhelming descriptions of Him. He says, the first thing he says is power belongs to God. Power belongs to God. Um, Do you want power in your life? Do you want to be powerful? Do you want to be the one who succeeds and isn't trampled by the trials of this life? Do you? I do. Power belongs to God. So unless you're tapped into him, unless you have a relationship with him, you will get trashed by the trials of this life. Number one. Power belongs to God. Number two, and this is amazing to me, not not just that God is powerful. In verse 12, it says, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. The, the deal here is this, that, that steadfast love spoken of many times in the book of, uh, in, in the book of Psalms, is the idea of God's promised love for you. Not that you are lovable, not that you uh, have loved him in return, but that he has said, I will promise to love you. I, I, I will be the one who will display my love in your life, in the days that you have. I will be the one that will love you. And that matters when the one who has the one who power belongs to says, I'm going to love you. You see, the struggle that we have is when we're in the midst of trials, we go, I I, I don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, I I don't know if I can take this anymore. I don't know uh, if. If I want to take this anymore, I don't know if this is going to be too much for me. And uh, how is this going to turn out? I, I don't know. I have so many fears. I, I, I struggle with this. And what he says in the midst of whatever's going on, he says, I love you. And my love for you, I promise that it will last longer than any, th- any trial you have here in this life. I will outlast 
you with my love. When I think of that, his, his steadfast, his faithful love for us, boy, that, that's amazing to me. But I want to tell you, there's only one place you can get it. It's the God of the Scriptures. It's the one spoken of in Psalm 62. If you don't have relationship with Him, you cannot find the resources that you need. As we look to the end of Psalm 62, it seems maybe to to us that it, it ends in a kind of unusual way. He says, for you will render to a man according to his work. And it turns back to really our life, what how we live, uh, hearing of this God who is alone, this God who's a refuge of salvation, a rock, God who he, he has all the power and the steadfast love for us. And you say, well, how does this go back to our work? I read a story this week about the Golden Gate Bridge. I thought it was fitting for our our morning here. The Golden Gate Bridge, when they were building it uh, many years ago, uh, they started the project. And initially, it took them a very long time to to build. But people were dying that were building the bridge. They were falling and uh, heading into the bay. And um, they, they lost their lives. But partway through the project, they realized... Uh, they said to themselves, you know, it, we're just losing too many men. It's too dangerous. We need to build a net underneath the bridge. Well, as they built this net, extreme cost. I mean, it was so costly to do this because of the structure. But as they built the, the net, they realized this one thing. First of all, obviously, not as many people were dying People weren't dying. and But but the thing that they didn't realize was the work sped up so quickly. Why? Well, because they knew that there was a net underneath. They knew they wouldn't die because they were left exposed up there. And as I picture uh, what we are called to do, we are called to walk faithfully with the Lord and to work for Him and to live in light of that. But knowing who he is, we know that we're taken care of. That we've got him bringing us the safety that we need. That we no longer have to fear if we're going to slip. Knowing that he is the one who loves us and all power is his. Trust that that's an encouragement to you today as you consider what God has on your plate. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning, the blessing of it. Uh, God, thank you that you would have a relationship with us. I pray that these words of Psalm 62 would um, marinate in our hearts, that they would take place, that they would uh, grow roots in our own heart, that it would find a good place in us, and that we would um, go about living, trusting in you, knowing that you can be trusted. Teach us to pour out our hearts before you, I pray. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.